Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Higher for EQ over IQ. So understanding the importance of emotional intelligence in the hiring process will dramatically reduce the likelihood of making a bad hire for your company. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to discuss and deconstruct insights from top-performing entrepreneurs and industry experts. Every week, we uncover tested tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. Today, our guest is Rodney Burris, the president, COO, and co-founder of Care Partners at Home and Global Transitional Care. Founded in 2016, Care Partners at Home and its parent company, Post-Acute Care Partners, was a uh, career-long vision of Randy Platt and Rodney Burris, two healthcare leaders looking to turn their personal stories of caregiving and love into a completely different approach to the business. Their professional philosophy focuses on compassion, love, and yet is built on a foundation of skilled associates with true expertise in delivering exceptional care. Rodney, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Pleasure to be here, Rick. Yeah, pleasure to have you. So we're talking about emotional intelligence, and um, I did a uh, little Google search on what it is <laughs> just uh, for, for the viewers at home. It, it basically describes an ability or capacity to perceive, assess, and manage the emotions of oneself and of others, right? So we're going to cover a couple of things today. We want to cover what emotional intelligence is, why it's important, and how to identify a person with the EQ or emotional intelligence that's right for your company. So let's start out. Let's just jump right in. Let's talk a little bit about key values of your company. And I think this will build upon where EQ comes into play. Absolutely, Rick. So, you know, we have an integrated health delivery system, you know, consisting of a physician practice uh, specializing in transitional care, uh, non-medical home care, which is the caregiver component, geriatric care management, and personalized senior placement. And the company values are love, compassion, and empathy. And we're big believers that our uh, associates all have to have those as their core values within their character. Sure. All right. So then let's move toward like what, what EQ is then, right? And then we're going to make the bridge the gap between how that fits here. So one of the things that I love about you guys is that you actually have, you, you know what your, your, your values are of the company, right? Most companies don't have that. They just start a company and they think, well, we're just going to make money and we'll figure out the values later, right? So you're building that properly from the get-go. So... Now you, you factor into EQ because I know that you're big on kind of uh, making sure that you have correct cultural fits and, and value fits to people that you hire in your organization, correct? Correct. Again, it goes down to the character of those who are hiring. And when you're in healthcare and you're responsible for serving others, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot. When you referenced Randy and I bringing our personal stories into this, part of my story is really the fact that I've been a patient so many times in my life. And I've got to be honest, um, when somebody comes into my room to care for me and I'm in one of those fear or crisis moments, sure. it's very easy for me to pick out the ones who are there because of a paycheck versus those who are there because it's purpose and a calling. And i got to tell you, my experiences with those who have come into my room because it's their purpose of serving others mm -hmm. have a powerful impact on me, sure. the healing process, and uh, in, in moving forward. 
Yeah, and that translates actually really within every industry too, right? You can tell who who loves what they do and who who's there for the paycheck. Right. Right. So let's break down what EQ is. Um, I think there's, what, five components? Yes. All right. I know you're an expert at this. So I'm going to let you shine a little bit. So, so self-awareness, self-regulation, um, <laughs> empathy, social skills, and motivation okay. are the five components of EQ. Sure. All right. And so how do we build those? Like, wh- Let's talk about how you're building those into your process. So like, wh- what do you look for in the motivation piece? Right. So it, we we always bring up the fact that we hire for EQ over IQ, and sure. just so your listeners know, that's really looking at the emotional quotient versus the intelligence uh, or knowledge base that they bring to the company or sure. skill sets and experiences. Um, when you look at the motivation, it's intrinsic motivations versus extrinsic, right? We all desire to, I shouldn't say we all, I do, and many that I've worked with, whether it's been somebody that I've followed um, or somebody who's been on one of our teams, desires to move up the ladder and learn and soak up. And uh, with that comes uh, power, right? Title, money, those are extrinsic motivations. It's a need for us to survive and take care of our families. But it shouldn't be the only thing as to why somebody accepts a job. You've got to look at the intrinsic. Why do they want to do this? Why do they do what they do? What stories in their life led them to wanting to become a caregiver, per se? Sure. That's very important in learning that because if they have that balance, it's oftentimes if you have a strong why behind your organization and you're hiring to connect people's personal values with the company values, Sure. that's very powerful in the employees that you hire because you're bringing people on that are instantly engaged in not only the purpose of the company, but emotionally invested. Sure, sure. I mean, there, there definitely has to be a more powerful why for somebody to be successful in any role, really. Right. They have to have some passion for it, right? I agree, but for me, somebody who's had a life of healthcare. Sure. You know, I, I tell everybody I've been in healthcare for 40 years, and I'm 40 years old. <laughs> First and foremost, as a patient through much of my life, but really the last 16 years and being in a healthcare role. And so, it, forgive me for being blind to what's on the outside of healthcare, but sure. serving others and managing teams with a growing company, there's a lot that's involved in in terms of not just the hiring process, but managing because come, coming with that is emotions. Taking care of other people is a very difficult job. Oh, yeah, it is. Especially those who are sick, those who have cognitive impairment. Or who are in, in, in the last stages of their life or fearful yeah. or, yeah. Very emotionally, spiritually, physically draining. Yeah. So you have to have a reason as to why you do it as a, as aside from uh, the fact that it's got good pay or good benefits. So, so in your world, right, the first thing you look for is the why. That's really the most important piece. Yeah, hire for character. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go on to empathy, which I think is the next one, which is pretty important for you guys, right? Well, yeah, it's one of the company's values. Yeah. Empathy is the ability to really step into someone else's shoes and feel experiences. And it doesn't mean that somebody's had to experience that. I can't walk into a patient's bedroom who's has a new stage four cancer diagnosis and say, I know what you're going through. But I can through the experiences and through, through uh, well, I should say the personal experiences, I can connect with them. Yeah. It's that human connection component to say, not I know what you're going through, but I can feel and it's the desire for me to want to connect with them and do whatever I can to 
bring a better quality of life, even in dealing with an end-of-life situation. And, and, you know, I would imagine that, especially in today's world, I find that everybody's on their phones all the time, right? So empathy is kind of a dying kind of component in people's personality. Uh, or maybe it's just, maybe it's displaced. That's a big debate. Yeah. I'm sure we don't have enough time in the, in the radio <laughs> show to talk about um, how the technology piece comes. I will tell you that in healthcare, when you're serving others, we have to have strong technology that supports the delivery of the care, sure. but it'll never replace that human component. Sure. It'll never replace what we have here or what patient and caregiver or patient and physician or patient and provider have through that human connection. True. Okay. So self-awareness, why is this important? It's so carry this over into an environment, uh, a work environment, right? Uh, we've all had the experiences where we've had somebody who really doesn't have the self-awareness of how their actions or emotions affect others, sure. right? I look at it as a flu. Uh, nobody wants the flu. The flu passes from one to another. Uh, some would even refer it as worse than that, a cancer. It's the inability to recognize how you or your emotions will affect the staff around you. Sure. It's extremely important to having a workplace that people enjoy and want to come to. Um, if you're creating a culture that's going to be uh, like a second family, let's face it, we all spend so many hours a day working alongside, oftentimes more so than with our own families. Yeah. So in creating a culture uh, uh, that's warm and welcoming and that has those the love, compassion, and empathy, yeah. those individuals who are working in there, all levels have to have the self-awareness to recognize that when they um, have interactions with others, how they affect. And it's each individual, which means that I can't take the 150 employees that we have and deliver the same message and expect that everybody's going to perceive it in the same way. Yeah, It's me getting to know each of my employees at the core and being able to deliver that message to where it's going to have the greatest impact on each. Yeah. Not spinning. Not beating around the bush. It's simply delivering it to where it it drives a better connection. Some yeah. want it direct and some want it where it's a little bit softer. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, self-awareness and self-regulation are kind of like hand in hand, right? Yeah. I mean, because you have to be able to gauge and understand yeah. how your actions are affecting people. One of the things that I have experienced through my business is that one bad person in a culture can affect at least 30%, you know, th two other people, right? Because they're working closely with a few other people. So if you've got a small 10-person company, that's 30% of your staff that's not happy, right? That's not effective. Right. That's that's a huge thing for a small company. Right. So, so self-regulation is huge. Uh, yeah. You're right. Um, uh, take that small company of 10 people and put it out to 200. I was once in an environment where the president came out of the back door, and we are in the corporate office, and there's 250 cubes in this old grocery store. Uh -huh. And he comes out and lamb blasts one of uh, his leaders within the HR. And all you see is all these heads going up and popping out over the cubicles, and nobody can believe what they're hearing or seeing. Sure. That changed the complete dynamic across that, the entire the corporate center grew quiet that day. Oh, yeah. And those who were new to the company now recognized 
that they didn't want to have interactions with the president oh, or yeah. certainly not upset him because look what was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've walked in on consulting projects where I've walked around with the CEO, and as soon as the, people saw yeah. the CEO coming, they got real busy on the phone. <laughs> like, they hid. Right. They were hiding, you yeah. know. And um, so, and then the last one, of course, is going to be social skills, right? Um, right? The ability to interact with others, and I think that's kind of hand hand in hand with the rest of them right um so let's do this we're going to take a quick break um when we come back we're going to actually talk about some ways in which to identify these um we're talking to rodney burris coo co-founder and president of care partners at home we'll be back in one moment you're listening to higher power with rick gerard giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. And welcome back to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. Today, our guest is Rodney Burris, COO, President and Co-Founder of Care Partners at Home. So we just discussed EQ. What is it? Now we're going to explore EQ, which is emotional intelligence. And we're going to give you some ideas on how to interview for it and um, some red flags to look out for. So let's talk about... um, your company in particular, right? How you guys build EQ into your hiring process. So when you walk me through um, how you test for motivation, empathy, self-awareness, self-regulation, social skills, as you're kind of tying that into your culture, which is empathy, love, and compassion. So there's actually tests for EQ that exist that uh, you can put your employees through, and we do only on the administrative and leadership side. We don't do it to our caregivers right now. We feel that we've through our experiences, really learned on what you need to look for. And it might sound relatively easy. Um, I'm not saying it is because um, you do go and get to those points where you say, how did we miss this with the employees? No matter how many leaders we put them in front of through the, uh, not just the hiring and recruitment process, but the orientation process. Sure. Um, The philosophy we have is simply storytelling. We are a storytelling company. And so we try to draw stories out from each of our candidates, and that's in any position. It could be in the physicians that we're hiring for our physician practice. It could be in our nurses. It could be in our social workers. It could be in our caregivers. And what we're looking for is is not necessarily the experience that they come with. That's valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not discounting that. But you're looking, again, for the why. You're simply trying to connect the why. Why, are, why have they walked through your door that day? And what interests them about the opportunity that's in front of them? And that why usually leads to them telling stories of why they're there. Sometimes it leads to us learning about their purpose in life or that this is a calling. Those are all great signs in the beginning. And you're you're seeing aspects of the uh, uh, emotional intelligence come through. Because as we engage them in telling us those stories, we're looking for 
subsets of questions to ask them on each of those that might go into what are the other motivations of why they're there. Sure. Tell us about working with a client or in a skilled nursing in the past where you um, had an interaction with another associate that you would perceive as negative. How did you handle it? A lot of those answers really drive us deeper down that path as opposed to going just into experiences. It, which are... Which are the basis of what are also called behavioral questions, right? Yeah. How you handle situations like this. Um, it's funny because I've um, been through interview processes of companies like Amazon and some other companies where, like, that's really the basis by which they judge you. It's purely run me through a scenario where you had this <laughs> and how did you handle it? Yeah. Why did you handle it this way? Do you think you could have handled it better in another way? You know, and they, they kind of work you through this to get not only your thought process but how you engage with others, how well you play in the sandbox with others, right? Yeah. And those are the times where we've, through our experiences, had some surprises where, where, let's face it, people are great in interviews, sure. right? And they have the perfect answers. And you're thinking, we just found the perfect candidate. Then you discover the red flags by seeing the true interactions with other employees and or leaders of the company yeah. right through the gate. Sure. And so segue that into, okay, we've, we've heard what we really want to from a prospective employee through the recruitment process and we're making a decision to hire them now it's how quick can we get interactions with our uh, with their peers with our other associates with our leaders and that's why we have really developed a round robin um, uh, recruitment process that involves everyone with their own interview style but that yeah. leads into the orientation where there's interactions with many, many different characters of the company and or peers, and we're constantly assessing. We're assessing those interactions and really looking, was there any flags that we missed or did the stories that they tell, uh, are we seeing that now through through a display? And it's important for a company like yours, especially that you dig deeper and you know that so that you can properly place a caregiver in the right place, right environment, right home, right? Yeah. We are essentially strangers going into the homes of our clients, and that's whether it's a caregiver, a physician, a nurse, a social worker. Yep. So you've got to build the trust quickly, right? The speed yep. of trust has to occur. And so that evaluation that we're doing is, it goes beyond the fact that we do background check and fingerprinting and, and all that. If the purpose of the company is human connection mm -hmm. and to care for somebody and truly impact the quality of life, then the heart has to be there. Yeah. And that's really what this is about. Emotional intelligence is, is tying the personal values with the company values, and it's creating that human connection. Our greatest stories come from having the right personal attendant being introduced to one of those situations in the homes and us hearing words like godsend angel on earth. I mean, that's where you recognize you've not only hired the right individual, but you're having the impact that you want to have. And and when you're obsessive about doing right by your customers, which you should be as a as a as a company, mm -hmm. right? You you essentially are you're you're gaining their praise. I mean, like you're just building everything the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, kudos to you. Good job. Well, appreciate it. It's not perfect. It's <laughs> no. not perfect, especially when... It never when is. We've, uh, I think the amazing thing is, is when we reflect on this last 18 months since we've opened the doors, is, is that we've hired over 150 associates, and we have a very low turnover rate. That goes back to EQ, once again, 
of the interactions and the way that we care for each other. Sure. It's not just about caring for those that we serve. It's about how we treat each other with dignity and respect in the office. So it's not just uh, those who are delivering, but it's all of us who are supporting them in the field. Yeah. And, and you know, when people feel like they're a part of something like that, you know, that's more powerful to them than the money. Yeah. Oftentimes we have to kick people out. Randy and I have more of a struggle managing people, balance, leading people to balance in their life. Uh, like and what make that them means, go home and, and spend time with their family. And getting emails from people at midnight and saying, get off your email, disconnect, yeah. spend time, this can be done tomorrow. Yeah. It's not because they're forced and they have timelines. It's, it's, it's this desire um, to... Uh, contribute to the greater global cause and the impact that we're having. So let's give our audience a couple of questions that you might ask somebody that they come in and interview with you that they would help them to kind of gauge what, like a good EQ question, right? I have a few that like I've, I've used. Um, do you have anything that your kind of go-to question that you might ask? Um, well, I said one earlier, I'll go, I've been very, I've, I've been known to be very direct yeah. and say, what's your purpose? Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to tie to our company sure. or, or that. It's good to know because we, as people developers, want to make sure we're developing them towards that purpose. Yeah. Sometimes we are a stepping stone. It could be somebody who's in LVN school that is doing caregiver, being a caregiver until they're going to that next step. Yeah. Clearly, if they're going this route, they want to be somebody who's caring for others. But it doesn't mean that's that we found their purpose. I want to ask them that question. Yeah. Uh, and that will usually segue into um, some of their other experiences. You know, which which that's a that's a, a whole episode question that you can work on right there, right? <laughs> because most people don't know their purpose. I mean, I, I've yeah. met people that are accountants that hate it and they uh, would like to be a closet marketer or something like that. Yeah. Like they'd rather be on Facebook and, and trying to do things like that. We get the answer uh, sometimes that I don't know. And so my next question is, why are you here? Yeah. And it's not to intimidate or anything. We've already established a relationship where they feel warmth. Yeah. It's simply to say, what brought you here today? Yeah. Um, what made you want to come here? What's the first emotion you felt when you walked through our door? And the wrong answer, by the way, guys, is paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> That's never the right answer if you want to get a job. So um, a couple that I could share is that... Um, so one that I found is uh, kind of telling, um, tell me it's about a time that you, someone criticized your work and how did you respond and what did you learn from it? Um, I've, I've actually had really good success with that question because um, I tend to place in my, throughout my career a lot of engineers and if you criticize somebody's work, a lot of times they just, they get, some of them would get fairly angry, right? right. And not, not handle it properly. That's where you're touching on self-awareness. Yeah. Um, it's the ability to um, take in the constructive criticism. It's the ability to understand that we are constantly in development. Yeah. If you feel that you've already reached all the goals and you've become everything you wanted, where do you go from there? And so it's the recognition, I could always get better. I could always learn more. Yeah. And having that self-awareness is also being open to receiving it from others. It doesn't mean they always like the way that, that they deliver it to you, but yeah. that's up to you to tell them that says, I appreciate the constructive criticism or, or the feedback that you've given me, but here's a way that you can deliver it next time that I'll, it'll, it'll make me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um, 
that's self-awareness in a conversation between a a leader and a subordinate. Yeah. A conflict re- resolution is actually like a big piece of this too, right? I mm-hmm. mean, think about it. How you, how do you deal with conflict? A lot of people don't deal with it so well. Yeah. So, um, and I'll, it's okay. You just have to have them in the right place. Right. <laughs> when that happens, our best way of, of managing that is simply bringing the two in and really talking about what happened. It's about transparency. And what I'm looking for in each is everybody has a responsibility in this. I'm looking for an acceptance of responsibility on both sides. What could have I done to either avoid this or make this situation better? And if they have the self-awareness, they're both learning from each other in now how they engage and what they did wrong or to make the other one feel that this was a negative experience. And when they both have a high degree of emotional intelligence, you usually come out with a stronger relationship. Yeah, if you one, can turn it into something strong. If yeah. one lacks it, that's where you see the flags of somebody who's not willing to accept responsibility or say, I didn't have any piece in this. It was all him or her. Yeah. I've had some really strong relationships throughout the year with managers and now that are VPs and CEOs that when we first started talking, it was not a positive experience. Like we did not, we butted heads. (laughs) I I had one lady call up and yell at me and um, I somehow we turned it around and built a relationship with her and I'm friends with her to this day. I mean, so crazy how that, uh, if you work through it, it just just happens. Um, let's give some red flags that you typically see in an interview process, um, things to look out for. I am always, you know, short answers and boilerplate type answers where people really aren't <laughs> giving you what you need. If you guys are getting that, move away. I mean, that's a pretty, uh, pretty significant sign of low EQ, right? Yeah, but that's a flaw of mine. You think um, so? I say that because I'll always use it to dig deeper. I'll look at it as maybe they're shy. Maybe, it, it, and it doesn't mean that I've missed certain flags. Sure. But it'll be Rodney thinking that Rodney can change the world and everyone in it. And sometimes <laughs> when that's the character, yeah. you can't change somebody unless they want to be changed. Yeah. And that's the self-awareness component. So I agree. The short answer, the boilerplate, the... You know, the motivations where the intrinsics, they're, they're going all on the negotiation of pay and rate and what's the movement within the company and how quick. Yeah. All of that without really digging in deep into saying, do you feel that you're ready for that? It's, it's putting it back on them that says, well, how quick do you think you should move from, you know, director to VP yeah. in the company? Yeah. Another piece or another thing that I see is... Um, and it usually starts out subtle, but criticizing or accusing supervisors and coworkers of, of wrongdoing, right? Right. Uh, that's a big red flag that I've seen throughout time. I mean, you know, if there's an issue, then it usually you got to look at yourself first, mm-hmm. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I do, at least. And then and, uh, you, you have to take responsibility, you know, for yourself. And you have to be accountable to yourself, right? Yeah. The other thing, especially if you're meeting with somebody in an interview, contradictory body language is something that you should also keep an eye out for, right? Yeah. Um, I know you're big on kind of reading people and, and uh, getting an idea of what they're saying. Yeah. You've uh, got to get them comfortable first. Right. But once they are, they should they should be giving you body language that's, you know, that's positive. Right. Um, that's why not just in the hiring process – but in any coaching, counseling, uh, quarterly, annually, annual reviews that we do, it's always face-to-face. We have some who are field employees who say, hey, can we do this over the phone? 
and we say no. And it's not because we're going to deliver bad news. It's, again, you're looking at the, the receptivity connection. and the awareness, and you're building that relationship further. Yeah. And body language, nonverbal cues, you learn a lot from those. Um, even if they're saying, I accept this in a coaching or counseling type situation, but their body language is saying, nope, blockade, yep. defensiveness, that's where you recognize we might struggle with some growth here. Yeah. Because while the words are coming out and saying, I understand and I'm going to make it better, the body language is really showing a defensive approach that says, you're wrong. I don't. I disagree with you. And that's that's another thing you just brought up that you guys do that's unique. A lot of, a lot of hiring managers tend to do phone conversations first because they want to gauge somebody's skill level mm-hmm. or, or kind of for whatever reason, right? Um, I, I feel like meeting with people first is probably the most powerful way to start the process. Because, again, you are getting that. You are establishing that that emotional connection. It's a feel. Yeah. You've got to get a feel for somebody. Again, if we are responsible for essentially sending strangers into, into the homes of those we serve, we have to get to know them. And the first thing is really that initial interaction. And I'm not saying first impressions are everything. Sometimes the second impressions are so much better, so much more powerful. The relationship starts in that beginning. And a lot of that's really the energy that someone might be bringing and yeah. the feel. And all of that put together, the words, the body language, the nonverbal cues, all those things that we talk about that progress it to the next step. Sometimes that's why when you're vetting somebody, it could take six months. Yep. And that's what's happened to us before where, where we vetted one of our care managers over a period of six months. And she was vetting us. Yeah. It was it was really building that relationship and learning more about each other and really saying, is this a culture fit? It was a huge jump for her leaving a company she had almost been with for a decade. Yeah. Man, this show's too short. We're just about out of time. <laughs> Rodney, uh, I want to thank you for your time investment today and, and, and welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, if... Um, Somebody's interested in your services or wants to find out more, how do they reach you? Um, we, uh, you know, healthcare is 24-7, 365, right? So, so I, call them at 3 in the morning. I publish my cell phone <laughs> and, and, you know, our cell phone's 949-309-8193. Our office phone, 949-556-3433. And if you'd like to visit our website, it's www.carepartners.us. Excellent. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Kim Iverson. To listen to this show and any past episodes, you can check us out at Hire, that's H-I-R-E, PowerRadio.com, or Higher Power Radio Show on iTunes. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, at Higher Power Radio Show. And you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at RickGerard1. We have another great show lined up for you guys next week. Our guest is going to be Robert Janowitz, the partner and uh, labor attorney for Fisher Phillips. We're going to be talking about some uh, interesting changes that happened this year in, in hiring, that's for sure. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and thank you again for listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.